Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977, or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. I want to share with you um, something this morning that I know is from the Lord. Have you ever had one of those aha moments or you know that God set it up for you? I had one of those moments this week and um, I, uh, I have a few people in my life that I know that God has uh, put in my life um, to help me and to to just to just be a coach, if you will, a life coach. You know that's popular now to get you a life coach to help you. And um, <laughs> so, anyhow, um, and some of my coaches leave me bleeding on the field, but it's good sometimes to to do that to have someone to speak truth to you. But it was on Sunday night I was praying, and then on Monday night I had a dream. I'm a dreamer. Let me just say this, God has always, ever since I came into the kingdom, even when I didn't understand my dreams, and I'm not saying I'm a great dream interpreter by no means, but I have, I have spent a great deal of study into John Paul Jackson's stuff. I have a book called Understanding Your Dreams Now by Doug Addison that I look at that book at least three days a week. I think John Paul Jackson wrote a book, The 20 Most Common Dreams, so I am a dreamer. And I think that we should be, I think that we should be equipped to interpret dreams in the days ahead because how many knows the Bible says in Joel in the last days that God's going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh. He didn't just say the charismatic church. He's pouring it out on all flesh. Come on, church. That means the Mormons, the Catholics, I mean, he's going to pour it all out. Jehovah Witnesses, even folk you didn't even think was a candidate is going to get a douse of the Holy Spirit. Come on now. In Acts 10, Peter didn't think Cornelius' house was a candidate, but God showed him otherwise. Come on now. So God's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh and your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. That's in Joel 2.28 and Acts 2.17. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy and your old men are going to dream dreams and your young men are going to see visions. That one of the things that the older men dreaming, dreaming is literally doesn't mean that God's going to give them uh, just fresh dreams, but it's going to cause them to come alive again and dream the dream that they used to dream. Come on now. And so we're going to see that. So I think that we should be, one of the ways that God speaks to us is through dreams. So we should be trying to, if you are a dreamer, number one, I would just encourage you this. Be faithful to write it down. I dream every night, multiple times a night. Wake myself up dreaming every night. And so, but it doesn't mean all of it's coming from the Lord. When, it, when I have a dream that comes from the Lord, I usually wake up and say, that's God. And I'll usually uh, make Catherine wake up and say, listen, God just spoke. I ain't got it figured out yet, but God just spoke. On, 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 it was on Monday night that I had a dream that was this. In this dream, I was on a tractor, a small tractor, either a large lawnmower. I couldn't figure it out, but it was something like that. I was on a road that I know familiar in a place that, in my hometown. And as I was approaching down this road, I knew I'd went a great deal. And, and um, I came to a place where water was over the road. And I had this thought, I've come too far to turn around. I don't have enough fuel to go back and go around. 
And I looked to my right, and there was a vehicle pulled on the side of the road, and it was a woman. She had kids in the vehicle, and she didn't have a shirt on. Some saying, this is an exciting dream, Pastor, tell us. She had no shirt on, but she was nursing some children. She looked at me, and she said, I don't believe we can cross that. I said, yes, we can cross this. I said, just follow me. We'll cross it. And as I took off my vehicle, the tractor, the lawnmower that I was on, began to cross the road, go right through it. Then I came to a place where the section of the road was completely gone. There was only a culvert pipe laying there. And this, the whole section of the road was missing, missing. And I immediately just pushed down on the gas and my vehicle just, I mean, just climbed right over it. And, the second, and, and then I traveled a little further down the road and then I came to this great ravine. And it looked like almost like the Grand Canyon. So I hammered down on the fuel and as we jumped and as I bike got to the crescendo or at the climax of the, of the height of where I could get with my vehicle, we was coming and I said, oh no, we definitely coming up short. At this point, I had a divine knowing, even though there was not a seat for him, but Matt Smith was with me. And as we come down, I realized it was gonna be a Thelma Louise ending in my dream that, come on now, and that uh, I was gonna hit on the side of the mountain. And when I did, my vehicle fell right on a platform and I was immediately in a restaurant. As I walked in the restaurant, Matt was to my left. He had on a pair of uh, jeans and he had a sports coat on and he was talking to three business people to my left, giving instruction. As I was sat down, I had on Under Armour joggers and an Under Armour pullover. And I looked down at my thighs and my thighs was extremely ripped up. How many knows that's supernatural? Not in the natural this morning. My thighs was extremely ripped up. I was in top physical condition. And, and everyone around the table was extremely fit. The man next to my left, I noticed how his shoulders was extremely ripped up and his back was, his back was V'd down. He was extremely cut. Chipper Jones was at the end of the table and he stood up and he had a sports coat on and he looked at me and he said, do you know who Brian Taylor is? I looked back at him and I described a guy that graduated two years ahead of me and told him that I knew him and Chipper didn't make, he didn't act like nothing, whatever. He said, well, we played freshman ball together. Then as he turned and uh, he said, I want to introduce you to my wife. I am a big baseball fan. I know a lot about Chipper Jones and the woman he's married to. He's actually, uh, he's actually uh, struggled in that area of his life. I think he's on his third marriage and the woman he's with now was a model. She's in her early 30s, but the woman he introduced at the table was, I had a divine knowing that she was 50 years old and that she was very, just, just this mature, beautiful 50-year-old woman. The dream ends. I wake Catherine up and I said, the Lord has spoken, but I have no idea what he's saying. Like you, I wish sometimes that God would just, just openly just tell us, yea, John, I say unto thee, pull to this red light, turn to the left, go two houses down on the right, there I will meet you there. But how many knows that God doesn't hide truth from us, he hides truth for us? Because only the hungry are willing to search it out. See, if you're lazy, you're never going to walk in Revelation. Because once you obtain revelation, see in the American church, one of our struggles is, is we think because we have information that we have revelation. Information is not revelation and information is not transformation. Revelation to the, to the Eastern world is when you apply that to your life and you're walking in it. So you may have knowledge that Lord God heals, but if you've never experienced healing in your life, it's not become revelation to you. You may have knowledge about tithing, sowing, and reaping, but if, you, but if you've never practiced that in your life, you don't have any revelation of it, you have information of it. You with me? And so information doesn't lead to, trans, does, it, does it equal transformation? So I begin to, I also received an email in this process and on, on, uh, on Tuesday. 
I received an email on Monday, but I didn't know that I had the email until Tuesday. So I make a phone call, which was, I believe, divinely inspired by the Lord, which led me into a meeting on Tuesday. And as I was meeting on Tuesday, this individual began to talk to me and put, put, just begin to say some things. Then I had another phone call. I'm going into this in a minute. I'm just trying to set this up for you. I had a phone call of a person I've been trying to reach out to for really about six, seven months. They actually called me on Thursday night, and I was able to talk to them on that conversation, just really begin to declare prophetically what happened to me in a meeting on Tuesday. And so I just feel like I want to make the gap of where we're at, where I'm at, if you're here connected to me, this is where you at, and this is where we're headed, okay? So I'm going to try to break this dream down. You with me? Okay. I've just got to get back to my own notes and the things that I've pinned down in this. Now, let me just say this. I thought at first in this dream, and I even shared with you, that I thought God could be speaking to me something about the election, something about that, but I don't believe that anymore because every time I tried to just go into a place of prayer and make that fit, it just didn't sit right. But when I started going in this direction, I began to feel his presence and, and whatever. How many knows this that Job says that the dream belongs to the Lord the dream, belongs to, the dream belongs to man, but the interpretation belongs to the Lord. And a lot of times we get mixed up in dreams is because we try, to find the, we try to find the meaning of the dream without getting the interpretation first. Get the interpretation of the dream and then allow God to give you the meaning of the dream. Okay? All right. All right. Now let me just say this. I, this is going to be a, a, if you will... Uh, just a bunch of stuff, so I'm not going to really narrow this down. I've just got to break this dream when I feel like the Lord is speaking to me. Number one, why did I come to a woman that was breastfeeding children before I ever crossed this water? I believe before we can ever take the journey that God wants us to do, I believe this is speaking of Psalms 23. Let's read it right quick. I want to read out of the Passion Translation. I'm going to read a lot of these verses out of the Passion um, Translation and really get to what I just want to set the front of this dream up to get to what I really want to say that I believe the meat of what God is saying. Number one, she's breastfeeding. How many knows that one of Yahweh's names is the breasted one? He's a nurturer. God is not neither male nor female. He's not Democrat nor Republican. He's not American. Come on, somebody. He's a spirit. And one of his names is the breasted one. And I feel like this is a season where we're at the last two or three words that Larry has sent to my phone have this in it. Come away with me. I believe we're in a season of that to come away with the Lord. I believe that we need to really guard the media that we're watching. I'm not. I'm talking about all media. Come on now. Uh, Bill Johnson said this. If you if you if you look at the media more than you do the word the word of God, you are responsible for your own discouragement. He said, if you look at the media more than you look at the Word of God, you are responsible for your own discouragement. We need to get God's perspective of what He's saying. And the only way to get God's perspective of what He's saying is to come away with Him. He is the breast of one. He wants us to desire the pure milk, the sincere milk of the Word of God. If we've ever been in a season to hunger and thirst after the Word, we're in this season. Come on, church. So in a season of coming away to get the true milk of the word, and listen to this, Psalms 23, out of the passion, the Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. God is wanting to restore the soul of the church. 
where we've operated out of the flesh and out of our own strength. He wants us to come away to a place of rest. Come on, rest in the kingdom where he says in Isaiah, wait upon the Lord. Waiting upon the Lord is not getting a bed and putting it in the, in, in the corner. Waiting upon the Lord is serving him like a waiter does a table. You serve the presence of the Lord. And it is out of that serving the presence of the Lord that he begins to renew our strength. Come on, somebody. And we begin to mount up with wings of eagles. Danny was sharing this with the, when he was on a flight on, on Monday to North Carolina. He began to say, listen, when you're at 30,000 feet, you can't see nothing. You see only the clouds. But at 15,000, at 12,000 feet, you can see everything around you. God is wanting to give us an aerial view, but it is only till we're willing to come aside and get the nourishment that he provides that we can begin to receive his, his view. So look at what he says. He said, the Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace. Where does the Lord's path take us? He doesn't take us into depression. He doesn't take us into burnout. He doesn't take us into discouragement. Where does he take us? His tracks takes me to an oasis of peace. Peace is not the absence of chaos. Everybody thinks of peace is where everything is just tranquility. That's not biblical peace. The peace of God shall crush Satan underneath your feet. The peace that God takes us to is a violent peace. It's a peace where we can rest, but he begins to crush everything that is coming against your life, everything that is attacking your family, everything that is attacking your health, everything that is attacking your finances. This is God's peace doing the work while you're at the place of rest at the table of his presence. Come on, somebody, in the presence of my enemies thou preparest the table before us what I found true is the enemy the enemy wants to take us out of this place make us come down to the battlefield we need to be like Nehemiah in this season why should I get off this wall of the great work that I'm doing I'm not coming down to you Sambalat and Tobias God has called me in this season to this work God is for me then who in the world can be against me and I'm not coming down to that place I'm resting in the place of his luxurious love All right. Look at this. He restores and revives my life. Oh, my God. How many could use a little bit of restoration of that this morning in this room? Where he restores and revives my life. When Catherine and them are on a retreat, her and Allison and Nicole, and she come in last night, and she talked to him about 30 minutes, and she looked like she had been drunk for three days. I mean, hair all, I mean, just what, you know what I'm saying? Lord, she can get on to me. You know what I'm saying? But she's just like, my God, man, we have been tore up from the floor up. We need times where we get away with the Lord and let him bring some reset, some recalibration. It was in Luke 5. I'll never forget reading this one day. In Luke 5, Jesus shows up to the sons of Zebedee. The Bible says that they had ported the ship and they were repairing the nets. You cannot constantly fish. You cannot constantly stay on the battlefield. you got to dock it into the harbor from time to time and begin to repair the nets. This is what God is saying in this part of the dream. Get over on the side of the road. Come away with me and allow me to restore some things in your life. It's a good word. Because I can tell you 2021 will not look like 2020. After we get through January of 2021, rapid things are fixing to shift and move. 
Now, you can keep your surfboard out here on land or whatever, but I'm telling you, after 2021, things will rapidly begin to shift and change. All right. In every obstacle, my thought was, I'm not going to make it. We must establish, we must establish and believe that He is with us. We are going to make it. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is He that is in you than he that's in the world. You are supernaturally equipped to live in the natural world. How in the world are you not going to make it? If you are natural, if you are supernatural living in the natural, the natural has no content, has no, no upper hand on you. Not only that, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you and it shall quicken your mortal body. I didn't say a denomination was living in you. I didn't say that a church was living in you. I said that Yeshua, come on somebody, Jesus Christ is living on the inside of you and he shall quicken your mortal body. If he is with me, then I can establish this morning that I will make it and complete the race. Now, I may not complete it as fast as I want to complete it, but I will complete it. Listen to this verse of Scripture. Write this down in the Passion Translation, Philippians. Look at this verse of Scripture out of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, you all right? Philippians chapter uh, 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, look at your neighbor and say, whatever happens. <laughs> That's a good way to start out a verse, ain't it? Whatever happens. If I win the lottery, I'm be excited. No, he said, whatever happens. Whatever happens. I have two verses in this. I have two, two little phrases underlined from 27 all the way down to 29 in my Bible. I got the first words, whatever happens, and what he closes with, I'm not giving up. I said, I have two lines in my Bible right here. Whatever happens, I'm not giving up. I feel like that has got to be settled within our spirits in this season. Whatever happens, I'm not giving up. I will not doubt in the dark what God has said in the light. I don't care how many times the doctor comes in here and what kind of report he's got or how many times my numbers are receding, I will not give up. I was listening to Jensen this morning. He said one of his, one of his most favorite things places to go, he said, my, one of my favorite places to go is to Lakewood Church at Joel Osteen. He said, for the reason of this, because I get to be with his, I get to see his mom in the, at before service and after service in the green room. And he talked about his mom. If you know uh, Joel's mom, Dodie, who was married to John, she was diagnosed with cancer. And she tells a story of how she defeated cancer. And she said that God told her, he said, let me tell you something. You can either allow that to talk to you or you can trash talk that and tell them who I am in your life. 
we got to settle some things. Come on, somebody. You are you are the head and not the tail. I'm quoting you what the Bible says. The Bible says you are above and but not be, you are above and not beneath. I don't care how many times your family struggle for five or ten generations. You have the power to break that off of your life. Come on, somebody, and recalibrate and be a fresh start. If you'll learn how to say what God is saying, what the Bible's saying, if you work the word, the word will work for you. But you got to learn how to work the word. This is not some fairy tale. This is not just some book laying on the shelf somewhere. It is the living word that the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one jot, not one tittle shall ever be done away with. It shall stand forever. They have urinated on it. They have burned it. They've tried to destroy it. It's still the number one best-selling book of all time, and it's the greatest author of all time, the Holy Ghost. It is timeless. It is endless, friend. Come on, somebody. It is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, deciding both soul and spirit. It is the word that endures forever. It is the word in Hebrews that said the worlds were framed by the power of his word. And when he releases the word, where is the church like the centurion? You ain't even got to come by my house. Only release a word. Preacher, if you could give me a word, my whole life would change. If you could just tell me one word, everything in my life would change. It is the word. Whatever happens, never give up. The only way you're going to lose if you throw in the towel. And for whatever reason, God gives us these prophetic pictures like Rocky. You know what I'm saying? Rocky gets beat up for eight rounds, but he comes out the last. Hey, there's four quarters to a football game. Never give up. That's a good word right there. Whatever happens, verse 27, the closing, I'm not giving up. I'm going to move on because i got a long way to go, okay? You can read the rest in, there, in, in between for homework. Matt was with three ladies in a business attire. There is an anointing upon this house. It has always been here since March the 10th of 1991. Not only that, I can go back in my life when I got saved and when I began the ministry in the early 2000s, this has always followed me. There is an anointing for business and finance that rests upon this house. This house has an entrepreneur anointing upon it. Go back to the dream. When I had the prophetic person call me on Thursday, she said, the reason, remember I told you I had a dream about a bow and the John Deere? She said, the reason why God gave you that dream, it was an unknown company. Now, if you've ever read Dreaming with God by Bill Johnson, he writes a story in there of a man by the name of Matthew McPherson. How many knows who Matthew McPherson is? Matthew McPherson was an evangelist traveling to churches. He'd go by and he'd collect his check. You know what I'm saying? He didn't even have enough money to raise his family. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, it takes a lot of money to buy boats and guns and all this stuff, you know? You with me? Oh, we bless you, Lord. You with me? It takes money to go fish and things. It takes money to do whatever you want to do. And down here where we live out in the south, they parade that old poverty. The poor we are, the holier we are. Man, I ain't got time to deal with that, but I'm just trying to tell you what I feel like God's saying, okay? You just digest this. You can hear this and say, man, that man's just excited and whatever, just whatever, but they will be people that will walk in what I'm talking about. And what's sad is you don't want to be people that see it but don't taste of it. I said this two weeks ago. I sent this a week ago or so to, to, 
to Cleveland them and I said, listen to this. I said, there'll be people that will see it but not taste of it. How do you know that? Every prophetic promise is there. are people that will see it but never taste of it. You remember Elijah said, tomorrow about this time, God's going to turn it around. It's going to be going for a shekel where y'all having to give children and kill children and eat children. All this is going to turn around. That man said, if God would open the windows of heaven, how could it be? He said, you shall see it, but you shall not taste of it. Why? Because you did not believe the word of the Lord. Are you with me now? So she said, the reason why God shows, she said, John Deere is an inventor. Listen to me. John Deere is an inventor. I had a bow from an unknown company. Matthew McPherson started praying. He said, God, I can't live off of this. this these, uh, you know what I'm saying? This $50 that the churches give me. <laughs> Are you with me? So he said, you got to help me. He said, I want to be able to be a blessing I want my family to be able to be a blessing. I believe your word says I'm the head, not the tail. So he has his dream, and in his dream, God drops a sheet of paper down in front of him. How's that sound familiar? Acts chapter 10, where a sheet fell from heaven in front of Peter. God drops his sheet, and in this sheet, there is a compound bone. And there is mathematics, equations, and all of these things on this sheet of paper. At this time before Matthew McPherson, you could only have... A, Emmett a member of this and I remember bow hunting when I was a little boy when you pulled it back if it was 70 pounds you had like 60 pounds you were holding back bows didn't have no let off the cams had to, they had to be all of them had two cams on them and the, the cams had to be in synchronization to make the bow function and there was just no let off Matthew McPherson changed the hunting industry with the invention of the Matthews bow and he's got a slogan called catch us if you can and he has dominated the archer world and is the number one best-selling bow of all time. And he is the standard when it comes to the world of archery. My son shoots a Matthews bow. And the one he shoots is about, with all the dark bells and whistles on is about $1,800, so it ain't cheap. You with me? And so what she was saying is, listen, God is speaking to you in the area of finances that you are not held or limited by what comes in the coffers of the church. I can't get no help See, if I was a businessman or a business person that comes to this church, I would believe, be believing for God's very best in my life. I, 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 we can't get that. I, I can tell you. There are about four people grasping that and people saying, well, I don't even believe that. Well, Matthew McPherson goes down one night drawing $25 from the church. He's a multi-millionaire today and a blessing in the kingdom of God. Not only that, they give thousands of youth bows away every year and he's got a program called... called um, um, what is it? Uh, where it's called Center Shot or something like that, where you can call, where you can go get uh, over in Millwood. Everybody, anybody ever been to Millwood, Georgia, out on 82 between Waycross? They so far from Pearson and Waycross out in the middle of nowhere. And so one of the things that they did to get kids in their community, everybody hunts out there. And so they, they Matthews offers this program about keeping your life in the center of God's will, and you do it through archery. Tremendous uh gift to the body of Christ. He also owns a company called McPherson Guitars and you can go Google them. I don't think you can get one for about $300, can you? <laughs> so all of this came by way of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, let me just establish this, is not just tongues and prophecy in the church. The first person to ever be mentioned of being filled with the Holy Spirit in the Bible is a man by the name of Bezalel. When Moses went up on the mountain to see the vision and got the vision, he, he began to ask God, how do I begin to build this and put this in place? He says, see, I have a man by the name of Bezalel who is gifted in all order of craftsmanship. 
listen to me, in all, in all talent of craftsmanship, he is filled with the Spirit of God. This is the first mention of a man being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, if you read the book of Zechariah, it talks about the horns making war with the church and overcoming the church. But what happened is how did the church possess the kingdom and begin to take the kingdom of God? It said that he saw the craftsmen arising. This is not preachers. This is businessmen in the marketplace where you spend 90% of your life and only 10% in church life. Come on, somebody. we got to train marketplace people to believe that your business is just as important as what I'm doing this morning with this mic. You are a representation of God in this community wherever you're at. It's a good word. It's moving on. You all right? So we establish this. God's wanting to pull us over for a place of rest. We must not stop, move ahead. God's going to help us with the finances. John Deere and inventions, supernatural inventions. As I walk in the restaurant, <laughs> why didn't I have Nike on in the drink? Why didn't I have Adidas? Why didn't I have Levi's, American Eagle? Versace. Man, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Why didn't I have that on? I had under armor. Because God's showing us in the days ahead we must have his armor, not our own. We are under his armor. Oh, Lord Jesus. You see this? Look at this. It's Psalms 91. Let me read you something good. Right out of the word of the Lord. Psalms 91. When you sat enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai. Look at this. When you sat enthroned under the shadow, you are hidden in the strength of God most high. God is saying we're under his armor. It's time to really believe this. Come on now. Now we post this on social media accounts. <clears throat> oh, let me, let me, let me just. I'm not talking about being dumb, okay? I do believe we should if you see somebody coughing, get the other way. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going to be around. <laughs> you know. But we quote this, but we hunker down in the back closet of our house. You don't believe Psalms 91. to church for COVID, but we'll go to a football game. I was talking with somebody about the COVID thing. Well, the reason why the numbers are down in the house of the Lord is because of COVID. Have you been to a Friday night football game? COVID does not exist in the Friday night lights. Come on. Either we sit enthroned under his covering or we don't. I'm not talking about being dumb, but I'm talking about living at a place where I'm literally covered under the armor of God shall come nigh my dwelling because I walk under the shadow of the Most High God. Is it true or is it not, church? Is it just something that we post in a time of a pandemic or is it real 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year that we live, move, and have our being in Him? We are hidden in Christ under His armor. Four people just dropped offline. <laughs> He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me. God, this is good. 
When you sit in throne under the shadow, you are hidden in the strength of God most high. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me. The only God for me and my great confidence, he will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy and will protect you from false accusation and any and any deadly curse. His massive arms, come on somebody, not his weak arms, but his massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of the majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. We are under the armor of God. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got you covered. All right, you okay? We're moving faster than I thought. Now, here's the part of the dream. Why, why did, if I'm in a dream, man, I mean, why ain't the Lord helping me in my biceps like the ones that most things is bulging or my pecs? Why is it my thighs? Why are my thighs cut up? And man, I could stop and preach right here for a great length of time, but I will move us on quickly and give you the synopsis of what I believe the Lord is saying. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Genesis, the 33rd chapter. Also, guys, I'm on, if you're putting it on the screen, I'm going to stay in the Passion Translation. Why did God touch my thighs? And why did I look over at the man that was next to me who was unknown? And I noticed what his, what was on his body that was that was extremely cut up and ripped was his shoulders and his back. Where did Isaiah said that God was gonna put his government? On his shoulders. But here's the thing: the church especially in the south where I live, is not equipped to tote that government. Now, you can say what you want to. You can jump around here and say that we cut an edge because of the lights and smoke and all this. We way behind time. The last I checked, we still burying our people. Notice the language of the New Testament writer James, if there be any sick. It was uncommon for the sick to be found in the church. Come on, y'all. If there be any sick, is that not the language that your King James renders? If there be any sick among you, let them call upon the elders. Why didn't he say, let them call upon the prophets? Or let them call upon granny to go down there and anoint them and pray for them? Because we know there's some grannies that can pray. He said, let them call upon the elders because the elders take watch over the flock of God. They know the people's lives. So let me dive into that. Even in John G. Lake, when you didn't get healed in his meetings, you were taken to a side room and you begin to receive counsel of what you have in your life, such as unforgiveness, bitterness, and all of these things that prevent the healing power of God. Now, I'm not saying if you're sick, don't take me where I'm not going in that. Anybody can cut and die segments. You know what I'm saying? The news media is full of that. But when God touched, what I noticed my thighs, number one, God's speaking to me, but I believe he's also talking to us as a body and he's also talking to the realm of influence that I have. 
The reason why he touched my thighs in Genesis 33, it is when Jacob was touched in the thigh that he was not known as Jacob no longer, but he became Israel. The church is in an identity crisis like we have never seen. That is the reason why LifeLock and all of these companies have built up in the natural, which is first in the natural that screams to the supernatural in the spirit. Come on, somebody. That we have an identity crisis in the church. When the Bible says that you and I are sons of God, very few people believe that. But we are maturing up into this place. We've got to learn who we are and whom we are. Now let me just say this. I found a quote by John Calvin that says this. There can be no knowledge of God until you are self-aware of who you are. And the reason why we don't know God because we don't know who we are. So let's look at this. Y'all right? Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to hit us in the thigh. But notice after he, let's just know this. Jacob had swindled his, let me just read this, man. This is so good right here. Mm, 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 mm. During the night, Jacob arose and woke up his two wives and his two maidservants and 11 sons and had them to cross the ford of the Jabbok River. Now, first of all, this river the Jabek River means an emptying. What does Revelation 3 say to the Laodicean church? You are rich and full and have no need of nothing. But you don't but you should have came to me because you are poor, naked, and empty. He's at this place, the Jabek River, which is a place of emptying, and he's there alone. We cannot discover who we are until we are alone with God. Y'all, this is good. We will never discover who we are until we are alone with the Lord. Now look at this. He sent them across along with everything he had, and Jacob was left all alone. He's at a great place now. He's at a place of emptying himself, and now he's by himself. There ain't nobody between him and the Lord. How many knows the largest church? I think the largest church is in Seoul, Korea, Pastor Cho's church. And we talked about counseling all. They have this mountain that they have, what caves are thinking stuff inside this mountain or whatever, that they call them prayer chambers where they pray. You can't even get a council session with any of the leadership until you spend at least three days in that place praying and fasting with God why do they do that because 99.9% of all the problems is going to get worked out when you get along with God the reason why we don't do that because we want an elder to be God we want the pastor to be God come on somebody you want your mama to be God or your daddy to be God and God ain't going to take us where we going with somebody else being God to you you got to know him for yourself Come on now, I appreciate the revelation Granny walked in, but that was, never, that was never going to suffice me as a young believer. I had to know God for myself. That's the whole deal in Luke 19 where Zacchaeus is climbing that tree. He wants to know God for who he is. I love the King James reference to that. It says that he sought to know God for who he was. He wanted to know Jesus for who he was. Jacob is at this place of emptying, and he is at this river, and he's alone. Nobody's there with him. He can't ask him, what do you see in my life? Nobody's there but God. Now, let's read on. Suddenly out of nowhere, a man appeared. I ain't got time to break this down. We preached this and it was God wrestling with him. 
Was it God or was it the imposter or the shadow man in Jacob that he was wrestling with? See, Brennan Manning in his books talks about this. He talks about the imposter or the shadow that's in all of us that is preventing us from really being transformed into the image of the Son of God. Let me dig deeper right here. Suddenly out of nowhere a man appeared and wrestled with him until daybreak. daybreak. This word wrestled really, one one of the meanings of this word literally means dust. They're tussling in the ground. They're tussling in the dirt. They're after it. They're wrestling. Look at this. When the man saw that he was not winning the match. I mean, come on. You mean to tell me you can wrestle God and he ain't going to win? I mean, God is struggling to overpower this man. How many knows God is not struggling to overpower us? And when he asked Adam, where are you? God wasn't saying, Jesus, we lost him. Holy Ghost, we have no idea where he's at. Come on. When God asks you a question, he's never looking for the answer. He's asking you a question because you don't know the answer. He asked Adam, where are you? Because you're unaware of where you are. You don't even realize that you have stepped clean outside of my presence in Eden and you do not know it. When the man saw that he was not winning the match, he struck Jacob's hip, his thigh, and knocked it out of joint, leaving it leaving it wrenched as he continued to wrestle with him. Eventually, the man said to him, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob refused, not until you bless me. Look at this. What is your name? Asked the man. Jacob, he replied. Not anymore. The man said to him, your new name is Israel. For you have struggled both with God and with people and have overcome. Let me take you somewhere right quick. I ain't got time really to dive into all of this. We moving faster than I thought. Listen to this. The truth is people who lack self-knowledge not only suffer spiritually, but professionally as well. Listen to this. Howard... The the Harvard Business Review, an article in which entrepreneur Anthony, whatever his last name is, writes this. There is one quality that trumps all. Evident, it's evident in virtually every great entrepreneur, manager, and leader. The quality is self-awareness. You know who you are. We are asking God for his glory. We're asking God for his cabal. We're asking God for his government, but we don't have enough shoulders to shoulder what God wants to do. God wants us to bring us aware of the person he created. Jeremiah chapter 1, I knew you in your mother's womb. He knew you then, but something's happened between you left the womb where you are now. There's a lot of things taking place from when you left the womb where you were formed, according to Psalms 139, fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. There's a lot of stuff took place. Some of us had dads to walk out on us. Some of us has had a lot of issues where we find ourselves today. Now look at this. Now, I come home from hunting the other day, and Catherine's been... 
knee deep into Revelation Wellness with Elisa Keaton, which is all about the inward man. And seeing the Pentecostal church, y'all, all we tell you, just get the Holy Ghost and you got it. That's wrong. That's, that's, that's ignorant theology. All you need is the Holy Ghost and come down here and, you know, Shondai Kondai, see me tie my tie. C-O-C-A, C-O-L-A, Coca-Cola. I've heard them all. E-D-I-E, that's Eddie, okay? And when we were young, there was, a, there, was a, there was a COG church that we visited. A lady would give out a message in tongues every Sunday night. And she would say, she tell a lie. She tell a lie. We'd be like little kids. Who told a lie? Who told a lie? <laughs> Are you with me? I got, let me try to write. Listen to this. Before we can become who we really are, we must become conscious. Listen to this. Before, we can, before, before you can walk in a transformed life, before you can go from Jacob to Israel, listen to what I'm telling you. We must become conscious of the fact that the person who we think we are here and now is at best an imposter and a stranger. Which is why Jason Upton talked about pride in that song. He says, you always show your best side. There is no fake, veneered believer ever going to care the weight of the kingdom. And society is sick of a veneered, fake, imposter church saying we got something in the house that don't even possess it. We got curtains and stained glass windows trying to tell my God, don't make me preach right here. Trying to tell people we got the ark of God and the power of God in the cutting edge thing in the house of God and we ain't got nothing but man's tradition, religious games, and no power. Oh, Lord. And I put Cornerstone at the top of the list for those haters out there. Now listen. So before we can become who we really are, who, before we can become who we really are, we must become conscious of the fact that the person who we think we are, here and now, is at best an imposter and a stranger. Shall I come in from hunting? Y'all okay? I know I'm preaching a long time. I'm okay. I, I, understand. I know what it's like to listen to two or three hour preaching, so I, I, I'm on, I'm had to, but I can keep going now, okay? But I'm going to get us to a landing place in just a second, okay? Because I got to finish this last point. Why did Chipper Jones ask me if I knew who Brian Taylor was? I'm going to tell you that in just a second. What I left out of the dream that Chipper stood up and he had a red and white letterman jacket on when he was speaking to me, which is my high school colors. And I'm like, why is this man wearing a red and white letterman jacket when he graduated Bowles High School? His dad was a high school baseball coach and knew he had the talent and he transferred that kid to Bowles High School, the country kid from D-Land, Florida, I think is where he was born and, born, and he transferred him to Bowles High School, Jacksonville. Because he wasn't going to have any stigma of having that kind of talent on his high school baseball team and playing that kid as a freshman above everybody else even though his talent was that noticeable. And he's got a red and white jacket on. The red is the blood and the cross and the white is the glory of God. Man, I'm, I feel bored in this place. But you and I, we, we feel, man, we could have easily went with the way we was going because I felt the Lord too, and I'm about to. <laughs> you with me? 
Where was I at right here? Okay, I'm listening to this podcast. So I come up. She says, will you listen to this podcast? I got three boys. And on Saturdays, our Saturdays consist of this time of year, getting up, hunting in the morning times. And we come back. We try to get a couple backyard football games. We usually cook some deer sausage on the Traeger or hamburger, something like that. That's our Saturdays. So Catherine was like, listen, I really need your time because I want you to listen to this podcast. My first thought was not, how, who is the podcast? How long is that podcast? She said, it's about 45 minutes. There's this guy talking with Elisa Keaton. And he's talking about the Enneagram. How many's ever heard that? How many's ever heard of the Enneagram? Raise your hand high. This is why I'm preaching this. This is why we don't know who we are. Because we've never used the tools. See, a lot of people says, well, I've had the disc test, and this is what it says. The disc is how people perceive who you are. The Enneagram is who you really are. So I begin to listen to this guy teaching. I'm like, man, this is pretty good. So like everybody's got a book. I'm a reader, so I begin to dive in this book. This book's real thick. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Well, Steve gets up, and this is what he says. He says, I have a dream. And in my dream, there's this stocky guy keep pushing me and challenging me. I'm like, what is he doing? Well, after looking into the Enneagram, I find my number. That's who I am, a challenger, which is why I've struggled all my life. See, what is, what, is one of the, what is one of the number one things that God's speaking right now out of Bethel? What you see in every podcast leading is Chris Valentin's with his spiritual intelligence books. was all about the psychology and about the mind of Christ, how to move in the mind of Christ. What I'm telling you, when, I, when I, I'm, I've just been at this for a while, I've been at it 20 years. I've counseled with all types of people, and I've got a long ways to go, okay? And I know that God's speaking to me in this dream, and I'll get to it at the very end. One of the main things that God's speaking to me. But God's trying to transfer us onto another level. And we want to play, we want to play. We got people that want to play in the NFL that you know more qualified right now. And I'm talking about the one holding the mic to be in a middle school game. But yet we want to pray these prayers. Come with your government. Let's do this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And God is not going to shoulder it till we get physically fit. And some of that's in the natural. Oh, I'm going I'm to I'm have to calm down. All right. I, I, I pulled a tendon in my left arm, which prevented me, you know, from, I, I, it just, it killed me every time I tried to do curls or whatever. I mean, it, I'd be almost crying through it. And so I worked out like for a week and really, really got into it. Then I couldn't even hardly hook a fish. And then it became a concern for me. You know, if God's going to not let me, let me hook a fish, I pray take me on to the other side. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Take me, Lord. So Danny looked at me and said, he said, he said that the cardio don't take moving your arms. See, he's also a challenger. Let me, you got just a second, I guess you do, but if you get done before I do, you, 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 you. Listen to this. So the Enneagram, you Google this, okay? You can take a couple of Enneagram tests online, but let me just say this. Don't box yourself. The, see, the Enneagram people say, well, I don't want to put myself in a box. The Enneagram reveals the box that you're in. If you tell me your number, because now with this knowledge I have, I'll tell you the sins that you struggle with right off the bat. Just tell me your number, I'll tell you the sins that you struggle with. Because each one of your number has seven deadly sins attached to it, which they added two more in the Enneagram. 
So the, so the nine Enneagram numbers have nine deadly sins, and you wonder, why have I struggled with this the whole time? So the Enneagram is not to put you in a box, but to reveal the box that you're in and to show you who you truly are and begin to highlight the shadow man and the imposter who you are so that you can bring the light of God into the imposter and into the shadow so that you can walk in the wholeness of God. That's good, church. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But as John Calvin said, the truth will not set you free until the truth gets through with you. The problem is we want to visit the truth one day a week called Sunday morning and expect to live an overcoming lifestyle. It will not happen. You must have relationship and come aside with the truth. So I'm diving in this book, and I realize... Oh my God, this is, man, this ain't me. I'm going to save you time. I'll give you enough information on that. Go, go, go get for your homework. Google this. Google the Enneagram. That's on it. What's the name of the book I sent you? Right here. I told you to get me a pile of them. Finding my way back to you. Ian something. That's enough right there for you, for the Googlers that want to read and figure your stuff out. Find him my way back to you. He's on the last couple of podcasts with Elisa Keaton. Hmm? The Road Back to You by Ian what? Ian Crumbs. The Way Back, Find Them Way Back to You, Ian Crumbs. All right, you ready? Let's move on to the last. All right. Chipper Jones asked me in the dream, First of all, I knew that I was at a table. And I knew that the men at this table, I knew they were all great professional athletes. Even though I did not recognize them in a dream, I knew that I was in the room of some great people. What is God telling me? Son, you're destined for greatness. But there's a journey to get there. There's a journey. I'm 41. And if I had to sit down in front of Dr. Field and say who I am, I'm going to struggle saying it. But I want to discover now, my people, Hosea said, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because we're in the Pentecostal church and all you need is what? The Holy Ghost. All you need is... You do need the Holy Spirit, but He leads and guides us into all truth, Okay? I'm not, because people be hating on me and say, man, anyhow. One of the things with my my numbers is, I, I, let me get off that, because I want to go into that, man. It's just, oh, bye. I'm, I'm real equipped in that area now. All right, so let's go on. He says, do you know who Brian Taylor is? I quote him a guy that graduated two years ahead of me that I played ball with, and, and, and Cleve played in college, I think, with his younger brother, correct? And so I said this, but he doesn't, he doesn't like, I can see on his face, he's not computing what I'm saying back to him. And so he's, he, he just looks and he says, well, he says, we played rookie ball or, or as freshmen together. And the whole time I'm like, why do you have on this red and white coat? You did not graduate from Bacon County and you are not a Red Raider. Why are you wearing our Letterman jacket? 
It's the whole time. So I'm busy and I get caught up. So anyhow, at night, I go home. I say, pray about it. If you can't hear an answer, go to Google or ask Siri. I did a simple search engine of Brian Taylor and found out that Brian Taylor was the number one draft pick in 1991. What a coincidence. Man, is God not awesome? Listen to this. Chipper Jones was the number one draft pick in 1990. He was drafted by the Atlanta Braves, which led them to their career, which led put them on the journey into the 90s. When they had the five, the Fab Four, Avery, Maddox, Glavin, and Smokes. Come on, y'all. We got to remember the 90s when we dominated. Won the World Series in 1995. Chipper Jones was, was the pick out of Bowles High School in 1990. Well, the following year, the number one draft pick was a young lefty, Southpaw, out of Buford, North Carolina, named Brian Taylor. Every article says, unbelievable talent. There's only four people that were drafted as number one in the draft that never played one day in the major leagues, and Brian Taylor was one of them. And I said, oh my God, I got to How does a kid with all of this talent, all of this promise, Scott Boros, who is a famous MLB agent, got Rod, Alex Rodriguez the $255 million contract, which is now over 300, getting him over 300 million. Scott Boros said this, out of 28 drafts that I participated in, Brian Taylor is the most talented draft-ready pick I have ever seen. And he never plays one day in the majors. Only four in history that's never played a day in the majors that was drafted number one. Number one, that tells me there you can have all the talent in the world don't mean you will ever accomplish anything in your life. Side notes. This lefty goes straight into professional baseball. He's from very poor. He grew up very poor um, off of a side road I began to study this anyhow they lived in a they lived in a double wide mobile home he only had one light bulb that was hanging from the ceiling in that house where he grew up and Scott Burroughs which which this kid was the one that broke the actually Todd Van Poppel was was the one that uh, was picked I think behind Chipper Jones that's right yep went to, went to the Oakland A's that broke the million dollars I think Chipper signed for $250,000 if I remember right in 1990 but Van Poppel got a million like it was up there, it was a large amount of money, and his mama stood her ground, even turned it into the Yankees organization. I ain't got time to take you through some baseball history, but at this time, George Steinbrenner was was on, um, they had got on to him or something. He was disqualified to do something in baseball at this time, but he said, There's no way that we can lose this kid, break all, whatever you got to do, get him. They signed him for $1.55 million. Can you imagine this? This kid who his mama picks out crab meat for a living, and his daddy's a mason. In Buford, South Carolina, his senior year, he was rocking 99 from the left side. It was unheard of at that age. He was, he was to join the Fab, what they called, it was going to be the Fab Five for the Yankees. They already had the Fab Four that they had got in line. One was Derek Jeter. The other one was Robert, uh, uh, Rivera, Jorge Posada, and Andy Pettit. And this lefty from Buford, North Carolina was going to be the one that was going to take it all. They was going to put them over the top. They were going to dominate and go to the World Series. As Derek Jeter and them was retiring after a 19-year career in Major League Baseball with millions of dollars, and now he's a part owner of the Miami Marlins. 
Brian Taylor is back in Buford, North Carolina, and the only fame he's got is one little dirt road named after him. And what, what for the two years that he spent in professional ball. What took this talent out? God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Why are you interrupting my sleep having Chipper Jones to look at me in a red and white letterman jacket and speak to me about a draft pick? Why is it a coincidence that Chipper's in 1990 and he's in 1991? Man, let me tell you why. What it speaks to me. And I've had the person who interpreted my dream, if anybody that needs any clout, she personally traveled with John Paul Jackson for five years. But I feel like God is speaking to me. Listen to me. There's some things that have been lost in the previous seasons. There's a lot that God's talking to me about that arm out of North Carolina. But I'm going to leave this publicly with you. There's some things that were lost. There were some great destinies that were to reach. And if Donna Harrell was here and Junior Dees was here, he could go in there and tell you, and Steve can too, I can pull the folders out of that office in there and tell you of the men Then one folder that's about that thick of the great destinies that we looked at as leadership from the church and says he's destined to be in the big leagues and he's, in, and he's nowhere to be found today. But I believe God's speaking to me, son. Listen, if you will allow me to change your identity, and if you allow me to touch you in the thigh in this next season, I'm going to use you to reach back and get what was destined. How did Brian Taylor lose it? I can't leave you like this. After two years of dominating rookie ball, Steinbrenner said, we're pulling this kid right on up to the high level of double A's. Hopefully he can be in the triple A the following year and join the team in 1994, which is the same year that who joined the team? Chipper Jones. Did exceptionally well in... in, in uh, at the beginning of 90, 94 was shut down because of the strike. And in 95, they, they won the World Series. On December the 18th, and I thought this is something. We're approaching December the 18th. Could God be speaking to me about a date? On December the 18th of 1993, home from, from rookie ball, Brian Taylor's brother, Brendan, had gotten a fight. And he called him and said these guys jumped him or whatever. Brian, who was very mild-mannered, in one night of a rage, goes to this house and calls this guy out. When he comes out outside, because of the power that was in his left arm, every blue article you pull up, southpaw, strong lefty, train wreck, train wreck, disaster. He goes to punch this guy to land a punch. And when he does, he clean misses and doesn't hit nothing but air. And when it does, he separates the capsule and the torn labor and he tears his labor. Scott Burroughs immediately gets on the phone and says, it's a bad bruise is what he tells the Yankees organization. It's a bad bruise. The Yankees said, no, no, no. We've got 1.55. We got millions of dollars in this kid. We bring him up there. The Yankees head dude looks at him he said this is the worst tear I have ever seen in my entire career he takes a year of rehabbing he misses the whole 94 season trying to rehab he comes back and he takes the mound 
Now a fastball that was 99 and 100 is 89 to 90, and he has no control. He can't get his curveball over for strikes. He beats around through farm systems to the year 2000, finally hangs it up. Listen to me. I believe I can, only, I can only be a man who's trying to follow the Lord the best that I can and tell you what I feel. But I know this, that it was no coincidence that I met a man who had the dream of that vision of the lamp in 1991 that I go meet him and he hands me that dirt of that map. And to see what God has done in the last three weeks in a month is amazing to me. To Matt and I traveling two weeks in a row, which we'll travel again tonight, towards Hinesville, to Ludawissa, that they baptized six or seven head last Sunday night in a swimming pool that was in the 50s. When you get in 50 degree water, you hungry. Matt, I tell you, I taught the two weeks before that for 45 minutes. There was, there was kids stretched out on lawn chairs in the backyard. Kids, they did not move for a solid hour. The power of God that was manifested. I believe God said, I want to go back to what had great potential. I'm going to redeem it in the days ahead. See, this not listen, this doesn't not only about me. There isn't a redemption. If I could tell you anything, one of the things I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is a redemption anointing that's upon my life. God wants to redeem some things. God wants to redeem some things in your family. And I'm going to show you this video in a moment, not to, to show you anything, but for you to believe this, that if you have been praying for your family, you need to watch this video and say, this revival is coming to my family. This young girl, Emily, who I've known for now almost 20 years, has been believing God to move in her family and she baptizes her whole family in her swimming pool last Sunday night. She baptized her mama. Then she turned around and baptized her husband and her husband baptized her. And the power of God is falling over there in that area. Is there a hundred people? No. But Jesus didn't have a hundred. He had twelve. He had three. So this is what's happening. God says, listen, where the left hand missed and where the left hand went to strike and it didn't hit the target, I'm going to redeem it in the next season and the days ahead. If you'll come into who you are and whom's you are, I will cause that left hand to make the target this time. And we Listen, God, I'm telling you all I can do. Why, was it, why wasn't it a forearm injury? Why wasn't it a leg injury that sidelined it? Why was it a shoulder injury? We've got to get back. See, because a lot of people, when you talk about this apostolic thing, people, man, I'm about sick and tired of hearing the apostolic. We, listen, listen. Hey, there's a lot of people been jacked up by the hands of parents, but God ain't throwing away parents because that's what he established on the earth to lead and train children. Just because we jacked it up, messed it up, don't mean it's not God. It just means we were incompetent. not knowing trying to do stuff I would rather miss it trying to step out by faith than hang with the religious crowd playing it safe any day and the height of what I want to be called on the internet is a cult because if you make it up to that status that means you're doing something Billy Graham's on that list now believe it or not And the haters that get on there and hate Bill Johnson and all of them for what they do, that's because they're not doing nothing to self. I'm, I'm going to quit. That's, that's, see, that's that, that eight coming out. 
It's, it's dead. I got, I'm going to learn how to put that beast somewhere and kill it. But let me, let me say this. Also, I, I will not, listen to this. There is a quote from a girl that's, that I found that said this, all are jacked up, broken, and hurt. So why do you, because when you look at the Enneagram and you say, well, I wish I was a nine. Mass a nine. I wish I was a nine. You know, what if I was a three? All people are jacked up, broken, and hurt. So why would you want their dysfunction? Just learn how to fix your dysfunction. Don't look at your dysfunction out from hope and the blood of Jesus, but look through the lenses of his love and the power of the cross under the red and white jacket, knowing that it can be redeemed under the blood and the glory. I believe what Chipper was saying to me, son, look, I'm a Hall of Famer. He was destined to be a Hall of Famer. But you got to go back and you got to pick that up and run with it again to push it across the finish line. That have more talent than me. God, anybody feel the Lord in this room besides me? I want to pray before we leave. Can we, can we pray? I'll make you help me right here. You can play right here. If you, I feel like this. If you're believing God for family revival, I want you to come right here and I want to pray for you because I believe this really, really prophesies of what God is doing that you just witnessed on that screen of God just really pouring out upon an entire family. And let me say this, that video that you saw is proof of the redemption of the left arm happening again. The people that you can't see from the Brunswick area that are under their backyard when me and Matt, when the, I, I remember when they built that house, but they didn't have none of that pool and that whole other area. They got this whole open air garage out there. And I looked at Matt and I said, we will be holding a worship service in this backyard in the days ahead. So we're going to do, we're going to travel and do a worship event in that region, in that area, in that region of the map. And say, God, redeem what you wanted to do. Redeem it, Lord. That did have great potential. So, Father, I, I pray today, right here, as we just witnessed, of what's happening at the wind gates. The gate is open for the wind to come in. The wind is swinging the gates of salvation. A great family revival. I remember Dale standing up over in Alma prophesying to me around 2010 and says there's coming a great family revival to this house I, I recall on that word this morning God and declare to this people there's coming a great family revival that our sons and daughters that we raised and trained in the house of the Lord they shall come in the name of the Lord those that are away from you Father I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit you would draw them this morning. No man can come to you unless he be drawn by the Father. So, Father, I pray this morning that you release the drawing of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we just thank you for salvations. We just thank you for the well of salvation. 
We thank you for the well of salvation. And we say like Moses, spring up, O well. Spring up, O well, in the name of the Lord God. Those that with addictions, God, I pray that you begin to break them right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray sons and daughters that have been away for such a time, Lord, that they'll begin to call and we'll receive phone calls tonight and say, Mom, Dad, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm reminded of a story that Clay Green told me that his daddy was went to load the boat up on the trailer and the, and, and, and the wind began to drift his boat away from the dock. And Clay was away from the Lord and he was doing things that he shouldn't have been doing and, and, and all of a sudden the wind caught that boat and blew it back to the dock. And his mama, and, and his mama said, you know what, we ought to pray for Clay one, one more time and just ask God to blow and bring him in the right direction. That night Clay called his daddy and he said, Dad, I'm tired of running. I'm ready to throw up my hands and stop. I prophesy this today and declare this by the Spirit of God that the wind of God blow your children in in the name of Jesus those that have been away from the house of God that they shall come again in the name of Jesus God I remind you of your word you said this promise is given unto us this promise is given unto us Paul also said to Felix that salvation has come and has come to your whole household so I release this into your heart, into your spirits today. We declare it done in the name of Jesus. And the church said amen. Come on, church, say amen. Come on, let's give him a praise and believe it. Come on, let's give him a praise and believe it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.